Hallelujah. Okay, we want to continue with this and uh, talking about the glory of the Lord. Uh, remember yesterday I did mention to you basically about the ark. And I did mention to you that the ark is basically the place where you find God's glory. Now if you look at our picture, you're going to see the two cherubims on top of the ark. Is that alright? The lead of the ark which you can see there, was made of gold. But the remaining part of the ark were made of acacia wood. And the laws were inside the ark. And then the glory was in between the two wings of the cherubim. And so we look at Ezekiel like he told us yesterday, when the cherubims moved, because they were representatives of figures in the heaven, the glory moved with them. By implication, they are the protectors and the carrier of God's glory. And when God was speaking to Moses, he was speak from between the cherubim. And I also did explain to you that because the two cherubims cover their wings together, it gives you what they call the shadow of the Almighty. Are you following that? And uh, the Bible text us that we have this treasure in earthen vessel. It's earthen and because this is just wood, but plated. Did you get that? It is wood, but plated. But the glory of the Lord is right within this ark as a box. And when this ark is moved to the war front, like I told you yesterday, then there is an assurance of defeat of the enemy. And don't you forget this. We carry the ark. We are now the ark of the glory of God. Because if you find it precise in the book of Revelation, the temple, there was no ark there. The ark had been moved into us. And that's why you find in Hebrew number 8, the Bible says, I will rise my laws in their hearts. The laws that were inside the ark are now in your heart. They are no longer tablets of stone. So in the true sense, you are now the ark of God. Did you get that? Because everything that was in the ark had been transferred into you by reason of the Holy Spirit. Everything we find in the Old Testament was symbolic of that which is to come. It was a glory, but now we have a greater glory. Because it's no longer in material things, but it's now in persons. Are you getting that? Uh, we shall find the whole time to discuss all the pieces of this ark in subsequent studies so that you can understand. Now that we can get some of these pictures out for you to see. So that you see everything put together and to understand where God is taking us to and where God intends to do. Because like I was saying yesterday, we must go beyond the outer court. We must go beyond the middle court or the holy place. We must get into the most holy place. God's ultimate desire for humanity is to move into the most holy place. When you get into the most holy place, you have no need of the moon, neither the sun. In the true sense, God does not recognize the outer courts. And I can prove that to you from the Bible. Go to Revelation, you find that. Go to Hebrews, you find the same thing. Hebrews 9, if you begin to read, you're going to see, talking about the first and the second tabernacle, no third. You get that? He said the priest moved to the first and the second. He doesn't discuss the third. God doesn't recognize. If you look at the Revelation, the same thing, the Bible talks about those in the outer court, talk about the multiple, not, not just the outer court per se, talking about 
the first temple or the second temple. It's all only discussing basically your soul and your spirit. Because the outer God you can readily see, which is your physical body. But the reality of what was in the temple was not seen by the natural eyes. You can see the ark, you can see the golden candlesticks, you can see the showbread, you can see the incense, you can see them. They are all within, covered with the clothes and all of that in the wilderness. Are you still there with me? Okay. So let's make some progress. Uh, I would like us to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 16. Let me see how far I can go with this one this morning. Exodus 16. Uh, my question is, what does the glory do for us? What does it do for us? Not enough to have the glory. It's not enough to talk about the glory. We yesterday trying to define what the glory is. Then this morning we want to ask this question. What does the glory do for us? Exodus 16. I'm reading from verse number 6. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At evening then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to be full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against God. And Moses spake unto the Aaron, saying unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he had hide your murmurings. <laughs> and it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the all congregation of the children of Israel that they look towards the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appear in the cloud. Hallelujah. God was now moving towards them and what was the vehicle of his movement? The cloud. So you refer to that as a cloud of glory. Amen. I know we have a son that speaks about a cloud of glory. How many of you remember that? There's a song that talks about a cloud of glory. It's moving, move with the cloud. I wish we understand precisely what we sing in the church. So they saw the next morning the cloud was up there coming. And that was God coming. The cloud is the vehicle of God's expression. I'm going to speak more about that maybe in the evening or tomorrow morning. So that you can understand the cloud that took away Jesus. Amen? You need to understand the cloud that took away Jesus. It's not this lumbus and cumulus you see upstairs there. You don't go out and look at the cloud and you begin to see the cloud that took away Jesus. Not at all. Are you still there? Uh, I'll make that plain maybe this evening or tomorrow evening so that you can have a grasp of what took away Jesus and how that the Lord himself intends you to come into this cloud of glory. Because for one thing, you must realize that even when it did happen or the matter of transfiguration, the cloud covered every one of them. Amen. Okay. Are you there? Now, so this cloud is moving. It has come in from the wilderness as they look up there. God was coming towards them. And his vehicle of expression was a cloud. Amen. So the glory of the Lord is an extraordinary and sudden brightness as it is expressed here in the book of Exodus. But let's turn to Isaiah chapter 4. 
What does the cloud do for us? Isaiah chapter 4. I'll read verse number 4 and 5. Bible says, When the Lord shall washed away the field of the daughters of Zion, and I want you to know that because it's very important to me, the glory is not coming in the midst of the feast. The fields have to be washed away. When the Lord shall have washed away the feet of the daughter of Zion and have poured the blood of the Jerusalem from the miserable, the blood of Jerusalem from the miserable, by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Now, time will not permit me to express this and to explain what the blood of Jerusalem really stands for here. But God intends to pour the blood of Jerusalem from Zion. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that killer, the prophet that has said. Are you getting that? So it talks about the blood of Jerusalem. The killer, the prophet that has sent it to you. And remember, anytime God wants to build his house in the truth, says, he sent a three-foot cord that cannot be broken. The prophet, the, 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 uh, the teacher, and then the, the apostle. These are the three-fold cord that he sends to the church to establish the church. But all of these people, Jesus was speaking in Matthew, and he said, you kill them that are sent unto you. Now how can the church be built when this three-fold cord and not manifested or sent to them. So the blood of Jerusalem must be clean from Zion. Remember we're dealing with Zion. Zion is the ruling place, not Jerusalem. David as a king was a man Zion, not in Jerusalem. Zion was higher than Jerusalem as a, as a community or as a church. But the blood was in Jerusalem because it had to do with the blood of the prophet. And it has to be purged. In other words, for Zion to come to the place of manifesting God's glory, the blood of the saints that have been killed, the blood of Abel that have been killed, right in the church today, who are sent to them, must be purged out of the church. Hallelujah. Verse 5. Some other time we'll discuss as foolish. It's an interesting subject as well. So that we know how we treat those that are sent to us. Are you still there? And that is one of the things that is making it difficult for God to move. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult thing for God to move into Zion, to raise Zion. You see, the Bible tells us that God does not sleep because of Zion. Remember that? He doesn't sleep because of Zion. But see, that means he, because that is his throne, that is his dwelling place, that is where his glory should come from. But there's the blood of Jerusalem in the midst of the hands of the Zionists. And they go to verse 5. And the Lord will create when the blood is purged. When the field of the daughters of Zion is purged. Are you there? The Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Zion. And upon our assemblies. Remember, not in Jerusalem now. A cloud and a smoke by day. And the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be what? Protection. Glory to God. Upon the glory shall be a defense. You see, men are just intimidated. How many of you understand one of the major reasons Jesus came is to destroy his that have the power of death and for those who have continually been under bondage of fear that he might take death out of them. Remember that? When the blood of Jerusalem is poured from Zion, when the feast of Zion is poured, 
and the glory comes in, there is continuous absolute protection for whoever comes under that glory. Even in the wilderness, understand that. Those who were not covered by the glory of the Lord, the Amalekites, had a good show of them. Those who were feeble, as it were, who could not move with the glory cloud, they were destroyed by the enemy. The protection is for only those who are under the glory of the Lord. And this is amazing. Sometimes you ask the question, but how Christians, how can Christians just die like that? How can Christians just do that? This is the reason. The glory cloud is not there because number two, I mean number one, primarily there is faith in Zion and that the blood of Jerusalem is also where? In Zion. So the glory cloud is not there. Therefore, there is no protection. You together. So it's not amazing. If I go to Isaiah, it tells us precisely. Say, sinner in Zion, they are afraid. Where do you find them? In Zion. What did the Bible call them? Sinners. That is why he wants to purge Zion. Hallelujah. Now, thank you, Lord. What, sometimes your man goes, oh, oh, come on. Is it fornication? Is it stealing? What, what, what is sin about? No, 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 no. Get out of all of those kind of thinking. The Bible simply, foolish thought is sin. Do you know that? <laughs> Glory to God. If God intends to take his church to the west and you are going to the east, you are a sinner. Hallelujah. People don't understand what I mean or what we're trying to talk about here. Unbelief. Huh? In fact, one of the greatest things you can think about is what? Unbelief. Now, if you don't believe what God is doing, are you, I'm not talking about smoking. Although I'm not discussing those. I'm not talking about drinking. Those are not my issues. When God visits you, he takes away those power from you. But there is this spirit of unbelief. The children of Israel, what was the problem they had? Unbelief. The seed of unbelief. And that is one of the greatest plague in the church today. People can't believe what we're talking about. now Because it's not theologically studied. Where, where did you get it? That's the question. Which book? That will be the next question. Which school did you attend? Now almost every minister is said on the theological school. But what do they teach? A replication of the old father's doctrine. Hallelujah. So there's no defense. No protection. This is the reason why we die the way we die. Is anybody getting this? To me, there's a very crucial thing. One of the major things that glory do for you is protect you. Defense you defends you anywhere, anytime, whatever it is. The protection of the Lord is guaranteed when the glory of the Lord is available to you. And that's enough for you to seek the glory. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about those who seek for immortality, for honor, for glory. Book of Romans. Remember that? Seek for it. Okay. Now, so the glory produces. Now, number two reason I want to give to it. Number first reason I just give to it is that the glory of the Lord is for a defense. 
Is that okay? The number two is, because I'm looking at what does the glory do? Where you get the glory. Number two is the glory of the Lord produces a change in life. If we see it. Hallelujah. Whenever the glory of God is truly manifested, there is fresh repentance of all sins. I mean, of not all sins, but of the sins we never knew existed. Anytime God reveals his glory, you will see who you are. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Anytime God reveals his glory, and I'm going to give you an example. Whenever God's glory is revealed, you will see your real you. I'm not just talking about the passings and all of those stuff, whatever. No, 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 no. Let me give you an example here. In Genesis 28. Amen? You know the story of Jacob's ladder, isn't it? We're dreaming in the night and he saw a ladder. Is that all right? Now verse 16 to 17, the Bible says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely God is in this place and I do not know it. Can you see that? And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is no other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. He saw a different entirely. That was a revelation of God's glory. Hallelujah. Revelation of God's glory. That's why he went for that to begin to wrestle in the night. I have contacted heaven. I can't get out of heaven. Anytime you see God's glory, something happens to you. Your perception about life changes. Hallelujah. You see what happened to the three guys on the Mount of Transfiguration? Why do you think Peter was saying, let us say, look, don't mind. Whatever it will cost me, I'm going to be three tabernacles for you guys. Let's not get out of this place. I will put in the money. If it costs money, I'll put it in. I want to build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let's camp here. Or something that he had never seen before. Why? Because the glory showed up. A man who sees God's glory can never be the same person anymore. Hallelujah. Look at Exodus 3. You know the story. I'm just going to mention it. The burning bush of Moses. You know the story? The Bible says the bush was burning and the tree was not consumed. And what did he say? He said, I will turn around and see. Right from that moment, Moses was a different person. Am I right, somebody? It was after he saw this experience of God's presence that the commission was revealed. Can you get that now? The commission to go to Egypt only came in after the Bonnie Bush experience. The tree I believe that was being born was not just another tree. It was even Moses himself. The field in his life, his thought pattern. That's why the tree was not consumed because it was himself. Remember, we said in Isaiah 4, he will burn out the feet in Zion and clean the blood of Jerusalem. Moses was a killer. Hallelujah. 
The same fire that burned in the Moses' experience was not burned in the upper room. Before the people are commissioned, the fire must come in. And that is why in Malachi 3, he also said the same thing. The Lord whom you see will suddenly come to his temple and he will sit as what? A refiner's fire. When you see the glory, you will be changing your life. Praise the living God. In Luke chapter 5, you know the story as well. We're going to read verse 8. How that Peter borrowed Jesus' his boat to do ministry. Amen? And by the time it was true, he asked him to launch in the upper, I mean the deeper section, or as the case may be, launch into the deep. Remember that. And he's up at all night, we've been laboring and nothing is coming up. And he said, just go. He said, but by your word, we will do it. And they launched him. And there was this catch that enables them to go and beg other people to help them drag. Remember that? Now, what was the response of Peter? Because that was, remember, the glory can all be seen in the face of Jesus. What was the response of Peter? The Bible said, when Simon Peter saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knee, crying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord, what was the sin of Peter? He's not talking about his past sin. He just realized he is not who he was supposed to be. When you contact the glory, something must happen to you. In fact, your old man must die. Praise the living God. Depart from me for a man of a sinful man. What was the sin of Peter? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not talking about his Adamic life. Now, watch this. We said before in John 2, 11, the Bible said when he turned water to wine, it began the, the very beginning of the miracles manifested. Remember that? And the next thing I found, and the disciple did what? Believed. That means all this why they have been the disciple without belief. That means right from that moment, there was a change in their life about who Jesus was. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I said in my note here, the act that Jesus demonstrated in reward for the use of their boat was a manifestation of his glory that shined upon them, bringing the knowledge of the glory of God from the face of Jesus. So they could really understand who Jesus was, maybe from his word for the very first time. The glory came. They begin to see who they are. They begin to see, oh man, it's like, hey, is this really me? Hallelujah. You know the book of Revelation was written by Apostle John. Am I right? Yes. This is my experience Pentecost in the upper room. You believe that with me? Saw a lot of miraculous things. Wonderful things. But let's see an experience when the revelation was given. In the book of Revelation, it begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation verse 1 and verse 1. I mean chapter 1 verse 1. And when Jesus saw him, I mean when John, remember, if you look at verse 17, Revelation 1 17, the Bible says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Hallelujah. Now watch this. 
was they not the same Jesus as it were? That John had always had fellowship with. But now he appeared in a glorious dimension. The next response from John was, he fell down. What did Peter do? He fell down. The truth is this. When, when the ark was taken by the Philistines and plagues in the same temple with Dagon, glory to God. Dagon fell and was broken to pieces. You can stand in God's glory presence and still remain your you. There must be a change. Why are we not experiencing the change that is most needful in church today? Because we are not seeing his glory. Hallelujah. That God was broken to pieces because he was standing in the presence of God's glory, which is the ark. John fell down as dead. Peter fell down. You can't stand it. What I mean you can, I'm talking about your old man. Because no man can see God and live. Are you see that? When you see his glory, you can't be your you anymore. His glory produces transformation. No man can see God and live. The day you see God, you are another person entirely. He also died because the old man must die for the real man to be alive. Praise the living God. Amen? So like I said, John saw the transfiguration. John saw the manifestation in the upper room. John saw all of that, but when God appeared to him in Christ, he fell down as dead. Hallelujah. So I said here, the revelation of Christ's glory is a light shining into a dark place, bringing the knowledge of the glory of God from the radiant face of Jesus Christ our Lord. When we behold the glory of God, our old man really dies. And we are into the likeness of that which we have been. So, if you look at 3, you see what I'm saying. Verse 18. So, for me, all, with open face, beholding, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. From what? Glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Did you get that? There has to be the change as we behold him. So, you see, you may, you may preach all about sin you want to preach. Change comes from the mind. Doesn't come from the head. Because there is a group of people, the Bible says, they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So change does not come from the head, it comes from the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Praise the living God. Are you catching this? The change comes from the mind. Now, 
How many of you have ever observed the butterfly? It starts right in the cocoon there. There's the, the maggot or the caterpillar, whatever you call that. Remember that? And when it breaks out of that cocoon, the next thing you see is a butterfly. What I meant to understand, it doesn't go through the pooper stage. Am I right? Amen? Is anybody here with me? I can still remember my old biology stuff. <laughs> now the question is, scientists discovered that there's a secretion in the head of the butterfly that transformed the butterfly from that stage of the maggot to the butterfly without going through the purple stage. Now, look at the mystery. This thing was a worm, a maggot, as it were. The next thing is God wings and begin to fly. Where did it come from? And all the while that the butterfly is right inside that cocoon, his, his head is upside down. And there's a secretion coming out of that place. That of where some of this silk thing comes out from. And at the end of the day, the butterfly comes out of that thing. Can I tell you something? There's the life of God in your spirit. And so the transformation is coming from your mind. This body will put on immortality. Yes, that, that's what we mean by transformation. That's what we mean by, see, be it transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformation from the word metamorphosis or metamorphosis. The same transfiguration you find in the Mount of Transfiguration, which is Matthew 7. The same thing. How will that be possible? I don't know. But is it true? Very true. How do I know? Jesus demonstrated it. He spoke to Thomas, you better touch my side and my hands. For I am he. For spirit have no flesh and bones. Not flesh and blood. He has flesh and bones, but not flesh and blood. Transformed man in a glorified body. Hallelujah. As we progress, I'm going to make you see. I was telling my brother a few days ago. What is the hope of the church? If you look at Romans chapter 8, read from 21 down, at 19 down to 20, 21, it tells us precisely. We also are groaning, waiting for the redemption of our body. He said, for this hope, are we saved? What hope? The hope of the redemption of our body. Check your Bible. What hope are you having? Why are you saved? You are saved to be transformed. And, and talk about the glorious church. How many of you have heard that? The glorious hope of the church. But is there a glorious hope? Not the hope of the Lord. Not the hope he gave to his people. Glory to God. Are you there? Okay. In 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse 6, the Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has seen, I mean, shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God has commanded the light. So when God said in the beginning, let there be light. And there was light. And the darkness cannot comprehend the light. John 1 1. Are you getting that? Let me let me let me explain something to you. 
Do you think, listen, Adam was walking in the light before the fall. So does that mean the darkness comprehended? Because the word comprehend means to apprehend, to overtake. Doesn't mean darkness overtook Adam, not at all. What happened there? Adam willingly gave up. Amen. That's why, if you look at it very critically, the Bible says, Adam, gracious. So it was not seen that Adam fall. That was not in the transgression. But Eve was. Have you read that? Hallelujah. And sometimes one of the reasons why he have to do that was because he also, he loved the wife anyway. How <laughs> to share fellowship, he loved the wife. Okay, so that's just about that. So, get that right, the Bible says, we are changed through the knowledge of the Lord. Amen? Okay, turn with me to John 17. John 17. Hallelujah. I'm reading verse 22. Bible says, And the glory which thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. The glory which thou givest me, I have given them. What glory did Jesus give to, I mean, did God give to Jesus? And don't you forget, from the ark to Jesus, from Jesus to the saints. You see that? Verse 26 says, and have declared unto them thy name. And we declare it. That the Lord wherewith thou hast loved me. May be in them. And I in them. Now I want you to take a little bit of the journey back. Begin to find out. The name of the Lord. Amen. What is his name? Yahweh. Oh. Okay. Jehovah Nisi maybe. Hallelujah. Let's get down to the scriptures and find actually what the name of the Lord is supposed to be. Exodus 33. He said, I have declared thy name unto them. The glory which thou givest me, I have given unto them. Exodus 33. Hallelujah. If you look at verse 22, before we go back to 18 to 19, let's look at verse 22. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass why my glory passes by that I may put thee in a cliff of the rock and I will with my hand while I pass by. Can you see something that when you talk about my glory and I they are the same. Is that, is that okay there? He said, listen, it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I'll cover it while I pass by. Can you get that? So the I is the same thing as what? His glory. Okay. So what happened when the glory passed by? Look at verse 18 to 19. And he said, Please show me your glory. <laughs> 19 said, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion to whom I will have compassion. If you read that, you begin to see the qualities of the name of the Lord. Compassionate, mercy, 
Are you following that? And this is what I will declare before you. That is why Jesus came with grace and truth. Mercy, compassion. Because he was bearing the name of the Lord. Praise the living God. Amen? So when God declares to you his glory in the face of Christ, then you will know him as you ought to know him. The virtue of compassion begin to come out of you. The virtues of mercy. In fact, everything about the name of the Lord. Read up to verse 20 in that chapter. You see what I'm talking about. I will declare before you the name of the Lord. In other words, say, this is my name. And how is the name being declared when the glory passes by? Did you get that? So how is it that we don't know God as we ought to have known him because we don't have his glory? We know him as a giver, but we don't know the person who is the giver. Hallelujah. I also believe that that realm is the realm of the nephews. Because, watch this. The father of the prodigal son spoke to the senior brother of the prodigal son without a name in the Bible. Did I call the name of the guy? Just simply a senior brother. Amen. And he was angry because his brother was coming back home. And the father said, hey, why are you angry? You are already flogged. You have everything there. If you have need of anything, you just take one. By implication, you don't even need to ask. You're on the field. Hallelujah. You know what? You are the one managing my estate. You are in charge of everything. I have given everything to you because you are the firstborn, as the case may be. Hallelujah. Do you follow what I'm talking about? Here? I pray those of you who are here now, you have to be here maybe tomorrow or this evening. Because I'll make you see how the one for the 4,000 is connected to the glory of God. Amen. I wish the church can come up to what we are discussing at this moment. I wish this truth can go to the body of Christ. Some of our gymnastics we will reduce. And allow his glory to visit the people. That whether we be there or not, they can stand. Praise the Lord. If you look at the book of John chapter 1 verse number 45, you know the story of Philip. So I said, when in John 45, Philip said, we are found him of whom is on the law. It was the revelation of the glory of God. They have read, they have been reading. They've been reading about Jesus. But here comes a time that he was able to recognize the very person they have been reading about. The glory of God was made manifest to him. He could recognize Jesus for the first time. And he could go out and tell people, hey, come. I've seen him that we'll be reading about. 
Watch this. Before this experience, Jesus has only been living among them. Am I right? But yeah, they were believing for a Messiah. But he had always been around them. Some of you can know him until he's personally revealed. If I might have said that. Remember that? I think Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 or so. Said it very plainly. No man can know the law. Except the father reveals him. And no man can know the father. Except to whom the father, I mean the son, will reveal him. Practically impossible for you to know the law without the revelation. Hallelujah. Are you catching this? I can study out God and know God. No, 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 no. It takes his glory be manifested to you for you to be able to know who God is. Praise the Lord. When Nathaniel spoke of who Christ is in verse 49, it was the glory of God. Amen? Remember what we said in the book of Exodus? When the glory passes by, I will reveal myself to you. Can you remember that? Good. That's what I'm trying to make you see. He said, my glory will pass by and will declare my name unto you. That means Moses did not know the name of God until the glory passed by. Amen? And if we go by what he said in Exodus 33, the name of God is not just Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Mekediski, Jehovah Shikenu. That is not his name. Those were some of the things people said because of what they saw God manifested. For instance, when he said Ebenezer, God's name is not Ebenezer, but some simply say that God has delivered us from the hand of the Philistines. It was an expression of what God did in their lifetime. But God declared his name to Moses. My name is compassion. My name is mercy. Hallelujah. And Jesus now said, hey God, the glory which I have given unto me, I have given unto them. By implication, you reveal yourself to me. I have also revealed myself unto these people. That we all might be one. Hallelujah. And I can get. And I don't mean how. Because if he is in you, you are in him. Am I talking? Watch this. The son is in you. You are in the son. The father is in you. Three of you are one. And this man stays in a location called heaven. Where are you? We don't believe the word. In the book of Acts, what did he say? In him we live and move and have our being. In who? In God. If you look at First Thessalonians, we'll tell you, the church of the Thessalonians that is in God. The earth transformed until the saints receive the knowledge of the glory of God. As the word over the sea. Praise the Lord. I believe in the miraculous. I believe in signs and wonders. But I know there is something deeper and better. 
Because all of the seven miracles God performed in Egypt was to draw the people to himself. Hallelujah. Was to bring them to a place of understanding of who he is. That is greater than all the gods every other man can worship. Praise the living God. If you look at Luke 24, that's reading from 13 to 46. It talks about the two guys that were walking on the road to Emmaus. How I many of you know that? And they were his own disciples. And the Bible says, when he appeared unto them, they said, oh, what are you talking about? He said, hey, man, are you a stranger in this land? You've not heard about Jesus Christ that was crucified? That man, that humble man, they were describing the person to the person. If they were preaching to Jesus, who did not believe himself? <laughs> Here we are disciples trying to teach Jesus how that he should know or he ought to know. Hallelujah. But when he gets on the back, he said, you know, told them, oh, come on now. Do you have some food here? Meat? And they said, yeah, okay. So they roasted the fish. And like I often say, those in the resurrection, they eat fish, not meat. Check the Bible. Every time Jesus wants food, it is fish. Have you noticed that? Glory to God. <laughs> and uh, they gave him the fish to eat. And the Bible said, when he broke bread, their eyes were open. And they saw for the first time that they have been dealing with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The glory was revealed in the face of Jesus. And they could see for the first time. And then he took time to explain to them from the law, from Moses and them, from the sons, that they may understand that they were talking about him and that there was a need for him to go to the cross. There is a place for breaking of bread for understanding to come to you. Hallelujah. Amen. And Thomas shouted, My Lord, my King, after conviction, it was the glory of God that was revealed to him. Amen? Remember that? Thomas said, Except I see and I handle, I won't believe. Praise the living God. And when Jesus showed him, he said, Hey, my Lord and my God, the revelation came to Thomas. For the first time, he could believe who Jesus was. That he has actually risen. Hallelujah. Let's move on just a little bit. If you look at Acts 22, verse 11. It says something. And when I could not see, Paul was speaking. For the glory of the light. Blinded him. He confessed it. I could not see. By reason of what? Of the glory. So the glory revealed to Saul. Now remember. Look at what he said. Who are thou my Lord? He didn't say who are you Jesus. By reason of the glory. He saw the lordship of Christ. What can I do Lord? For the first time. He recognized the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. How did he come to do that? The revelation of the glory of God. Amen. So what am I trying to tell us this morning? The need for mankind today is the, manif is the manifestation of God's glory. To enlighten the hearts of men. We don't need more teachers. We don't even need more preachers. Not more Bible colleges. Not even more religious trainings. We need his glory to be revealed to men. Then men will know God as they ought to know him. Are you following what I'm talking about? More of his glory is what we need. It will take away the veil. Don't you forget. 2 Corinthians 3. As we behold him. We are changed. From glory to glory. From one level of glory. To another level of glory. Only as we see him. One of the ways. Like I've always told. The brethren here. That enables you to know who Jesus is. Is his voice. How I many of you understand what I'm saying? Now you know the story very well. That Mary Magdalene was such a faithful sister. In the physical ministry of Jesus. How I many of you understand? That even when he died and was buried. They were there to spice the corpse. But here was Jesus walking in the garden. And Mary thought that Jesus was one of the gardeners. And the first response was, hey, if you know where they have laid him, let me have the cause. He never recognized Jesus Christ. But when Jesus said, Mary, what happened? She shouted, Rabboni. What brought that? My sheep. Hear my voice. You don't know God by physical appearance. Because no we know man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ, but his thoughts know we him no more. I pray you be around the course of this meeting so that you can understand. People who ask me, do you believe, do you believe in his coming? Oh yeah, much more than you do. But I believe it accurately, not religiously, neither theologically. Somebody asked me in South Africa, but you believe in his coming in, in the same manner? I was so sure. You only need to know which manner he left. Amen. You only need to know which manner. With Peter left. If you know that, then you can also know how he's going to come. We touched that. Because for one, if you look at Acts chapter 1, when he left, the Bible says a cloud took him out of their sight. Which is part of what I'm going to explain. It was a cloud, singular cloud. And it wasn't everybody that saw the cloud. It was just those who were with him on the Mount, on mount of Ascension. So, for instance, if he has to come in like manner, only those people will also see him. 
Everybody didn't see when he was leaving. Why do you expect everybody to see him when he's coming? It's no longer a life manner. And if he comes in the cloud, according to Revelation 1, verse number 7, that we need to understand. That is a man coming and sitting in the cloud of heaven. Mighty 25. We will deal with all of that so that you can understand how he comes. No, we know man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh. But henceforth, so Mary only picked that because he said, Mary, check the garden. And the Bible will tell you. They have the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the evening. They didn't see a man. Read the book. Am I correct, somebody? The account of Adam and Eve, the Bible says, they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the evening. And 1 Corinthians 6, the Bible says, No, ye not, they are the temple of God. Say, I will do what? Walk in them. The walk have not changed. As he walked in the garden, he's even walking today because you are God's garden. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. And when he walks through you, you hear his voice. And you know that God is passing by. Hallelujah. Because the glory will bring for the expression of the Lord. The glory will reveal who he is. Not just to you. But as we become his glory, just like the sun was the express image and the glory of God, we become the expression of God's glory on the face of the earth. Praise the living God. This may look like hard saying, but they are not. Either our theologians have refused to talk about them, or they don't know it yet. But they will come to know it. There is no option. So many of the Pharisees believe Jesus. But because of religious setting. So that they are not driven out of the temple. They want to maintain their job. And their stomach sake. They refuse to believe Jesus. And accept that is the Lord. But they know that this must be the truth. They know that this is the man. That we'll be reading about. And so we have people like Nicodemus called secret disciple. Why do you need to be a secret disciple? Jesus said, if you deny me, I will also deny you when I come in the glory of my Father. And that is very crucial. We're going to touch that very expressly on Friday night. If you deny me, I will deny you my Father when I come in the glory of my Father. And one of the major reasons why we can manifest the glory is that fact. We don't accept him as he is. We want to believe him with the way he has been crafted for us. So that even if he's revealing himself to us, we don't want to reveal him in that dimension because people will reject us. It's a lonely walk to walk in what I'm talking about. It's a hard place to be to see the things that, remember, listen, in the book of Revelation, God was speaking to, the angel was speaking to John and he said, wait, you better take this book, this little book, Say, eat it. Say, in your mouth, it shall be sweet. But in your belly, it shall be bitter. Why would Sunday be sweet and become bitter here? What he was saying is this. Revelation is exciting. You may be able to speak it. But when persecution comes, you're going to experience something different. Every true revelation brings persecution. 
But Paul will say something. He said, I can't know myself to have been, to have comprehended the purpose or the reason for which I'm what? Apprehended. When a man is apprehended, it means he's arrested. And any man that's arrested, I have no choice. Sorry to say we are ministers who are already under apprehension. When they open their mouth, they can't say anything else. They have to say what he who has apprehended them allowed them to say. And they just can't be accepted all over. But a time comes. When the fullness of time is come, like we can always read, something different will show up. There will be a manifestation. There will be a display of God's glory. And the same people who have spoken one word will turn around to say another thing. Praise the living God. 